Welcome to the Lot Carey Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcarey.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. This week, He's in conversation with Reverend Dr. Cynthia Turner-Wood, pastor of Dayspring Community Church in Lanham, Maryland. We're grateful to be in conversation today in the Lot Carey Pilgrimage of Striving and Thriving podcast with Dr. Cynthia Turner-Wood. She's the lead pastor at the Dayspring Community Church in Lanham, Maryland. Dr. Turner-Wood, we're grateful for your joining us today. Thanks for being a part of this conversation. Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be here and to join in the conversation. Well, you are one of the team leaders uh, for an exciting project that Lot Carey is um, leading, where we're facilitating more than 50 pastors on a pilgrimage toward flourishing in ministry. And our assumption, as you know, is that every round does not go higher and higher. Mm -hmm. We believe that flourishing in ministry requires both striving and thriving, and that flourishing in ministry can sometimes be understood like a tree. There are times where there are leaves in bloom. There are times where there are blossoms. Sometimes leaves are falling away and sometimes there are only branches. Still, the tree can be healthy and thriving. Can you describe for us what flourishing in ministry looks like to you? So seasons probably for me, is how I describe flourishing in ministry. That as we go through seasons, spring, summer, winter, fall, each of those brings with it um, its own peculiarities. Um, some seasons are harder than others. Um, some are darker than others. Some feel longer, depending on where you are, than others, colder and all of that. And so um, 
And then on the other hand, there are some seasons that are full of light and warmth and more welcoming. And ministry has felt like that to me, um, that there have been times when um, it has been good and easy and joyous. And then there have been other times when it's been cold and dark. But the reason I like the, um, the season example, which, which correlates some, somewhat with the tree, um, is that it's a bit more expansive than the tree. Um, because for me, the tree is one uh, entity by itself. And um, the seasons kind of at, at least go across a pastoral, for me, a pastoral kind of a scene. I'm a country girl and, and spent my summers with my grandparents in the country. And, um, and what I noticed with them is even when times were hard, there was something that kept them going um, and that kept them strong regardless of what the season was. And I think flourishing in ministry uh, equates to that, that regardless if, you know, it can be a hard winter and a difficult time, but it can also be a time of flourishing because of what, um, what you're hoping for and what you've built on and, and, um, and how much you get out of even the struggle together. So, um, um, while I like the sturdiness and the um, um, stability of the tree, that I, I need something a bit more fluid and mobile, and that kind of goes with the f the waves, goes with the flow of things, and um, that is more encompassing. Um, so for me, it's not just the tree; it's the forest, um, it's the pasture, it's the landscape. Uh, flourishing takes all of that into account. Um, as opposed to one isolated entity in those things. Um, playing that out, I think for me, then that would mean that church, uh, flourishing in church is, takes into consideration the church. It takes into consideration the family and the extracurricular life and the study and the lived experience and the self-care if there is any. And um, all of that participates in the whole um, act of flourishing or striving, if, if not the flourishing part. When you talked about kind of uh, the, the uh, seasons and the climate mm -hmm. uh, as ways of describing flourishing, I live in a part of the country where sometimes people joke and say, you can have all four seasons in one day. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, I mean, we could, you can need a jacket and it's cold right. and it can be hot. It could be all in between in one day. Have you ever experienced days of ministry where it's like you had all four seasons all in one, maybe 24-hour or 48-hour period? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, um, you know, I, there are some days where you go through them and tomorrow you, you know, the next day you just want to stay in bed because you don't know because of all that happened on yesterday was so much that you deserve an extra day. But, um, you know, and I think in ministry, you know, when we start talking about that, one of the plate, one of the things we have not left space for, um, and I, I don't talk about it a lot because it's not popular, but we don't leave space for disappointment. And we don't leave space for, so when you talk about, you know, we, everybody's good with every round going higher and higher. But um, I, it, I, 
the and this whole notion of levels i've always hated you know we go into the next level and you know there's a devil at every level and and all of that i just don't see as i look at the ministry of jesus i just don't see it being that way um you know there were highs of course and but there were also lows you know and so um going up also meant coming back down and dealing with what was going on down below um I think the church has been really inadequate in dealing with disappointment and um, but and, and recognizing that even with disappointment, there, there are growth points. There are places of, and, and maybe some of the best growth points I've had have come through disappointment. Um, not while I'm in it, you know, Lord knows I don't want it and I don't, you know, seek it and, and all of that, but they have taught me some of the best lessons and, um, and, and given me out of that, some of the best, um, assurances that God is with us in it all and through it all, that they, all things really do work together for good, that, you know, um, there is a, you know, a, a place on the other side of through. My grandmama used to say, there's a bright side somewhere. Don't you rest until you find it, that song. And, and you know, the longer I live and the more that I go through, um, I become more assured of that. We don't hear that often when people talk about thriving and flourishing. Thanks for for noting that. And, and, and in our um, pilgrimage, We've been working with something we call a formula for flourishing, not the formula, but a formula mm -hmm. uh, that holds that there's a relationship between capacity, context, and content. And that if a pastor's leadership capacity plus service context yields their content, there's a higher probability uh, for flourishing. And so this is assuming that we don't need to try to drag and drop what somebody else is, is doing. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us some about how your context of service informs your content of ministry? So let me, let me give you a little bit of history um, about Dayspring. Dayspring is 24 years old. I am the second pastor. Um, I'm in my 15th year of pastoring. Um, I helped found the church. Um, in 24 years, we have never owned our own building. We are a black church without a building. So that makes us a little bit unique in, in learning how to operate in community um, with other churches and partnership with other churches to accomplish things that we can't accomplish on our own without a building. We've met in schools, we've met in hotels, and last, before COVID hit, we were sharing space in a church, um, the Jubilee United Church of Christ, which was generously offering us space. And so um, that, and, and uh, was uh, really hospitable in their sharing of that space. And so that's the closest that we ever came to feeling like we had our own church building. Um, so that creates some peculiarities about our um, capacity and our context 
in the sense that we can't even do, if we wanted to, what other churches do. You know, we can't, um, we, a lot of churches in this area are event-based churches and that, you know, they run from event to event to event. And um, while I don't necessarily even seek that model, that's not something we could copy if we wanted to. So what I've learned um, in terms of, uh, I think, my own capacity as um, leadership capacity as um, one who believes in shared leadership and um, one who is an introvert. Um, I have tried to demonstrate that um, all that we do comes through who we are. One of the things that I lament, I think a little bit, is that I don't have um, a congregation full of people who are hungry to sit down and study and to um, delve into the word and, you know, the way that I would want to do it. What I have learned is I have people who are much more doers who learn. So I can give an example of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and, um, and then talk about how it's important for us to do that. And they will learn that way. They'll prepare sandwiches. We'll go to the shelters. We'll feed, um, we will um, go to the nursing homes and, um, you know, minister there and do those kinds of things. I have people who are much more hands-on people than they are um, people who are studying all the time. So we've built our ministry around, rather than events, we've built it around projects. Can you give us an example of something that, a capacity that either you would name for yourself or that others name for you, and how that informs ministry that you lead? I really think being um, an introvert and being contemplative and um, having proclivities toward those kind of moments and environments um, have set up a place where those who are also leaning in that direction can find some home and find comfort in knowing that um, all of what we do does not have to be um, boisterous and um, in front of everybody, but that there are um, places that, um, that God meets us that are quiet and still and um, sometimes isolated, sometimes with other people. So the work that I've done at the Shalem Institute for um, uh, for spirituality um, um, and developing and deepening a contemplative lifestyle, again, I think probably goes a little bit against what's traditional for us as Baptists who are prone uh, or given to more um, noisy kinds of uh, worship, but to, uh, to put it politely, and I do mean that politely. Do you find uh that you meet very many pastoral leaders who share that uh, introversion and contemplative, or are, are you a part of a pretty narrow group of colleagues? Yeah, I would guess that, you know, for, for many of the pastors that I see, I would guess that they are extroverts and that they love being around people and that they are drawn to people. However, in conversation with many of those, pa those same pastors, I find out that they are introverts as well, but I, I often feel like they do a much better job than I do of, um, of carrying that out. So in the, you know, an introvert 
it's not that an introvert can't function in spaces with people and crowds. They just have to work really hard to do it. And then they've got to go someplace and decompress, you know, and, and, and refuel by being alone. Um, I have never felt as though um, I was great in those spaces um, and or draw, drawing people um, in those spaces the way that I have admired in some of my colleagues who are able to do it. So, but it, it is amazing to me how many of us are introverts who are called to this extroverted kind of um, a profession or vocation. A word to our listeners. Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world through prayer partnership, financial support, and technical assistance. We come alongside indigenously-led communities to support ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment, and advocacy. Together, we are touching lives with transforming love. You can invest in churches, schools, clinics, and more throughout the world. Visit us at lotcary.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for your partnership in this ministry. Welcome back to the Lot Carry Podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the Learning Coordinator of Lot Carey's Thriving in Ministry program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague, Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, interviews a prominent Black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Now back to more of his interview with Reverend Dr. Cynthia Turner-Wood, pastor of Dayspring Community Church in Lanham, Maryland. How does your interest in and being drawn to being a contemplative person, how does that help you in terms of either your preparation for or practice of a ministry of leadership? Immensely, immensely. And it brings, um, it, it is the difference between me laboring through the work and me joyously doing the work. Um, I can remember, and I first learned this um, probably a decade ago when uh, I attended a, um, a session at the National Cathedral called the Black, uh, what was it, Black Rhetoric for Women Preachers or something like that with Emily Towns and Valerie Bridgman. And um, I went uh, to this event because I, the, the way that I described myself was I was bored with my own preaching and um, you know, just bored with, with all of it. And so we, I didn't know anyone else in the session um, at the time, 
what I, what I had come to learn, we spent, I think, about four or five days at the cathedral on site, and we had time to study and time to pray and, um, you know, alone time and, and time to get group time together as well. But what I came away with was being excited again about my preaching. And I realized that when I get bored or when, I, when it's toilsome and really, really hard is when it's because I haven't had those moments to pull away and to go deeper and to um, meet my, this is my, this is my expression, to meet myself under the tree. Okay. That's where, <laughs> that's where I meet God and that's where I meet myself. And so even now with COVID and trying to learn the technology and trying to, you know, put a Sunday service together and put scripts together and, you know, all of the things now that we have to do, I am, I, my, my real self, is somewhere under the tree waiting for me to come <laughs> and spend that time <laughs> so that I can, um, you know, joyously get back to the work that I'm called to do. Many pastors seem to be busy all the time mm -hmm. and seem to struggle uh, with perhaps finding the tree uh, to meet themselves mm -hmm. under. Yeah. Uh, do you ever meet some of those, or do some of them ever ask you, for example, if I'm not wired to do more of the contemplative um, experience, mm -hmm. are there some ways uh, that I can, I may not become a contemplative Christian, but mm -hmm. are there some practices that you have learned or that you would recommend that pastors consider uh, to help nourish their roots so that they can flourish? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the spiritual disciplines are very underrated and very underused. Um, in my life, um, there, you know, again, there was a time when I was much, much better at it, but I, and I would hazard to say, because of all of the demands that pastoring has, it's probably underutilized in so many lives. We miss out on so much. I think, you know, I, it has to be, it has to be something that each pastor finds joy from. So whether it's praying or whether it's meditating or contemplating or whether it's taking long walks, um, you know, um, whatever it is for that person, I do think we benefit from doing those things. And we, um, we suffer when we don't. We suffer terribly. And not only do we suffer, the people around us suffer because we need that feeding. We need that. I mean, who, who better than Jesus to give us that example of pulling away and coming out from among them and, um, you know, um, taking the time to, to replenish with God and God alone. Could you tell us about an area of leadership that you have had to develop uh, as a pastor? I've had to develop into being a pastor. <laughs> so mm -hmm. let me explain. Um, so the church that I pastor now, um, you know, started 24 years ago. I was part of the team that started it. I was um, in on the, the vision planning and everything that went along with it. Um, and I was, but I came in as, executive pastor. Um, I was second chair. I'm a good second chair. I like second chair. I like implementing it. You tell me what we're going to do 
and you know then give me the freedom to go carry it out and i'll tap the people and i'll pull it together and i'll make it happen and you know um i'm good at that i really you know that's where i feel like i fit the best um and then this pastoring thing came about um you know much longer story to tell but now i'm you know i'm finding myself um, not second chair anymore. And, the, and some would think, you would automatically think that moving from second chair to first chair, um, you know, it's not that far. You, uh, you, could, you know, it's almost the same thing. It, it is vastly different. It is completely, the sights are completely different. The weight is different. The responsibility is different. And the day-to-day -day is different. And, um, and so I have had to, um, you know, make that shift and find comfort in it and, um, and do it in such a way that um, I believe that this is where God has placed me. And so coming in, I, um, I said, you know, I don't know how to pastor. And what I've heard about pastors is that they, you know, they come into a church, they get called to a church and they bring this vision plan, right? They already have it laid out. They know what they're going to do. And they tell the people, this is what we're going to do. And I know you're not supposed to make changes the first year or two while you're there and all of that, but they go in and they have a plan. That's what I've always heard. And so when I became pastor, um, I call, I, I was, terrified because I did not have a vision for the church. I just didn't. And so I called my friend Jason Barr, who's gone on to be with the Lord, um, but who has always been a confidant, a wise man, uh, who was pastor of Macedonia Baptist Church in Pittsburgh. And I explained everything to Jason. And I said, I, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't even be doing this because I don't have a vision. I didn't come in here. God didn't give me that. And, um, and he comforted me, told me not to worry and to say, you know, you really should not go in with this set plan about what you're going to lay on these people and do, you know, with these people, even though I had been there the whole time. But, um, but that the vision comes from the people and the, you know, and the pastor together, that we move together in that. We create that organically. And so um, I've learned uh, over time that that's, um, that's been a good approach for us. It took a minute to get there. It took some um, confidence building and it took some shifting because I was not, you know, um, many of the people who I was, had begun pastoring had known me for decades and I, I wasn't little Cynthia to them, but I was Cynthia. And so even making the shift to, um, you know, to calling me pastor, to seeing me as pastor, um, that took a little while as well. What brings you the greatest joy as a pastor? The greatest joy as a pastor is preaching a good sermon. <laughs> I'm in my element when it's a good sermon and it's hitting on all, um, all distance or whatever the expression is. Um, I, I, I believe that I'm doing, I'm in that moment, I am doing what God has called me to do and I'm being who God has called me to be. Um, right alongside that, concomitant with that. So I don't want to. I don't want to make it um, higher and lower. But right alongside that is um, I get joy from seeing lives transformed, from seeing people get aha moments, from recognizing that Jesus is real, that um, or you know gaining some new understanding that liberates them from something that has um, held them bound in some 
something they learned in Sunday school or something they believed about themselves that what they thought was unfixable or unchangeable and all of that. Um, so, and then um, I think probably thirdly concomitant with those two things would be building community. When community comes together and the, the projects that I described earlier, when we're all working together and, and, um, and seeing that take shape or take form. Um, remember, I am, I have, I have the blessed experience of being a church planter. And so um, I, and, and I've been in church all my life, but there is nothing like the planting of a church when people who um, may have been disenfranchised in other churches or people who were not a part of a church all come together in a place believing that God can do something with them and that God has called them or called us into community to do something. And so, um, you know, I saw people who came from the old church who never used to do anything stand up and do things we never had any idea they could do. Um, or, and, and people try things that they never thought that they even could see themselves doing. Um, and then having folks come in who just never were church folk, you know, come into the church. That is, um, to me, that is, that's ultimate joy. Uh, is there one uh, or, or a few big pieces of advice uh, that you've, you have found helpful that you would like to pass on to others who are interested in flourishing in ministry? I think the advice that I would give, which is the advice that's been given to me uh, over the years, is to take time out and pull away. Um, and, and, and all of our, th throughout this Thriving in Ministry program, whenever I have an opportunity to ask a question, it's, and I, I don't intend it to be, but I, I recognize now that I'm always asking, what do you do in those dry seasons? How do you get through the dry seasons? Um, you know, what do you do when you're not hearing anything, you're not feeling anything? And even though other people may be benefiting from your ministry, you just don't feel anything. You're going through the motions, you're faking it till you make it and all of that. And, I, and, and so I ask that of, of um, so many of our pastors, Dr. Stewart, um, Dr. West, Dr. Flake, um, who've spoken to us. And they've all said the same thing in their own ways, which is what I'm saying to you in answer to this question. Take some time, you know, pull away and replenish and refill and do whatever it is. And um, I think um, um, Dr. West said, go to sleep. You know, get yourself some sleep if, you, you know, you're probably tired, um, but also, you know, go walk the dog and go do, you know, take the time that you need to time to, that you need to take to do some self-care, to, um, to not always be tending to everybody else's needs and making sure that everybody else is okay. Um, that it has, you know, again, going back to the time when I said I was bored with my own preaching, it has, when I feel that feeling, I know that I need to, um, to step away for a minute, um, find that place and that time. I actually have a space. Um, I have a space in, um, uh, we don't own the land anymore, but when we owned the land in uh, right outside of Lynchburg, Virginia, 
um, in Concord, where I believe that I met the Lord face to face in my own, um, you know, my own time of walking those dirt roads back and forth. I pulled away and sat by the creek and um, little spot. And I just believe that's the place where, you know, where God and I met, like really met intimately. And um, so it's different now, but every now and then I may drive down to that space and sit there for a little while. I don't feel as safe and comfortable to do that for a long period, but I will find it and just recenter um, in as much as possible. So whatever the centering thing is that people need, that's, I, I would suggest they keep that as sacred as possible. Dr. Cynthia Turner Wood, pastor of the Dayspring Community Church, in Lanham, Maryland. Thank you for joining us. This has been a wonderful conversation in our Pilgrimage of Striving and Thriving podcast. We're grateful for your wisdom and we're grateful for your witness and for the time you spent talking with us today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it immensely. Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen online at lotcarry.org. Mm-hmm.